Welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast, everybody. I'm Kim Skorupski. On today's episode, we have Dr. Wendy Ward. Hi, Wendy. Hi. Well, Dr. Ward is the Director of Interprofessional Faculty Development, the Associate Director of Professional Wellness, a clinical psychologist, and a professor in the Department of Pediatrics at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. Again, welcome to the podcast, Wendy. I'm so glad you're here with us today. What are you going to share with us? Yeah, so I have been doing a lot of work with another hat that I wear on mentoring programs, and I'm excited to talk a little bit about what some of the different programs are, um, the models that are out there, uh, that people could maybe think which model fits best for their institution and the place that they are. And I'll say um, myself and a number of other colleagues were invited to contribute to the AAMC's Group on Faculty Affairs Toolkit in the mentoring section. So some of what I'm about to share is really uh, uh, an accumulation of the discussion that this small group has had, as well as some of my own um, personal experiences as a mentee. Perfect. So I'm not, maybe I'll start there. Perfect. I grew up in the Department of Pediatrics, which has a 30-year history of a formal mentoring program. Uh-huh. And that mentoring program is um, structured and organized by Joan Cramner and her staff. Every new faculty is appointed a three-person mentoring committee. So when I was hired, I had a three-person mentoring committee. Different um, uh, faculty members within PEDS, and occasionally, if it's needed, uh, a mentor from outside of PEDS to really work with me one-on-three, I guess. Um, And and we meet twice a year and uh, talk about what I need to be doing at that stage in my career so they're Early on, there's onboarding conversations and just learning what the resources are and what's expected of a faculty member, what is in the promotion guidelines, and how do I make stepwise progress toward it. And then when I get got closer to promotion, really receiving strategic feedback and specific feedback on my promotion packet as it was evolving and doing a pre-review by my mentors before it went to the department committee. Mm-hmm. That program has been um, published uh, and is out there for those to see. They've been tracking outcomes. We have a very, very high percentage who are um, promoted uh, in that program. Uh, and I think, Ken, for those departments or groups, it could be done at a college level. Our Department of Pediatrics has 400 and some faculty now, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it could easily be replicated on a college level. The advantage of it is its structure and it's universal. Everyone gets the um, committees uh, and there's good outcomes in terms of patient or, or uh, faculty satisfaction with the program and um, their promotion rates. I would suspect that there is retention uh, improvements as well because of that program, although that's trickier to track. Mm. Uh, What's difficult is for those groups that have um, asked us about our program who don't have enough senior faculty to do a three-to-one ratio. And so I have spent some time with uh, a group of people actually thinking about different kinds of mentoring programs that don't necessarily look like the one I initially grew up in, but uh, have a purpose and an objective and a potential positive outcome. 
So one of those uh, at our institution level, we have a women's faculty group, a community, if you will. Uh And they started pairing one-on-one senior mentors with junior mentees, both women, to um, add to uh, the uh, support and the resources available to female faculty with the goals of trying to not just improve individual success, but also to build leadership skills. And we've been tracking the number of women in leadership positions since um, we've been doing that and multiple other WFTC programs, um, Women Faculty Development Caucus programs, um, and really having a positive benefit seeing women at multiple different leadership levels. Uh, but that isn't a program that meets everybody's needs, right? Um, my minority faculty in our institution and other institutions, um, those who come from underrepresented minority groups, would benefit from something similar, I think, based on the literature, one-on-one. Um, and so there are folks at my institution building um, something similar uh, for that target group. Uh, but again, maybe isn't meeting everyone's needs or, or um, might not be the right fit for every institution. So I brought this conversation to a mentoring circle. I happened to uh, be one of uh, a group of people who are overseeing the AMC Group on Faculty Affairs Mentoring Circles Program. Uh-huh. So new faculty affairs and faculty development people who join the GFA have the opportunity to join a mentoring circle where there are two mentors with a circle of mentees. Um, and they're able to talk about the things that interest them in the moment. And I happened to um, be a mentor of a group who brought up this mentoring program issue and what were different people at different institutions doing. And we started sharing. I shared my experiences with the WFDC and then this very um, uh, formal, structured, uh, robust program in PEDS. And they started sharing what they were doing. And it really led to uh, one of our members said, hey, I think we should do a systematic review of mentoring programs. So Gerald Kreitz, um, when our mentoring circle time ended, it's a year program. When it ended, our group voted to stay together. And Gerald became the leader because he has this um, history of doing systematic, very um, true systematic review, <laughs> um, which I'm, I have learned a lot about now. And it's so <laughs> uh, and much work. Really, oh, that's so hard. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So we have a a group of invested people, and that has helped because the time uh, involved has been high, and we've been able to leverage each other's um, availability. But all that to say is um, we're just about done with our data collection. We didn't just do what has been published, but we also looked back at what had been presented at GFA and other AAMC conferences and called those people. Oh and added that data in. Wow. So we're hoping to have a paper um, by the end of this year uh, that looks at 10 years of data on mentorship programs. And we are cataloging 30 different data points, uh, which means that, oh yes, gosh. so programs differ in a lot of different ways that right. aren't immediately um, apparent until you start really looking at the details. And we hope that we can come up with some summary models so that uh, people can pick and choose based on the evidence. These kinds of things work in these situations. And um, 
it also should drive more research on mentoring programs as well. That's right. Wow, so great contribution. I to... Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Now, didn't Ray Lucas, I'm just, I just, he just popped in my head at, at GW. Didn't he just have a big paper that looked, that summarized mentoring programs in academic medicine, I want to say. Um, so we have seen that. Yes. Yeah. And, um, similar intent to what we're doing, but slightly different. Yeah. Uh, and of course came out in the midst of us doing ours. Um, but yes, we've seen that paper as well. Yeah. But you're doing this, like you said, a real systematic review, which is, oh my gosh, I can't even begin to imagine calling it one thing go through to go through published literature. It's another thing to go do archival archeological digging of abstracts and presentations at conferences and then trying to reach those people. Oh my gosh. That's, yeah, it's, it's, been a lot of work and a big learning experience for all of us. And uh, I think will be at the end, really worthwhile product. Oh, no, um, absolutely. Super fun. Yeah. One of the things that I learned that I did not appreciate that I am taking with me to my own program development. Um, Larry Hertebeis had done some work on personality characteristics and match between mentor and mentee. Mm-hmm. I really had not understood before. So if you have persons who are similar mm-hmm. and more likely to um, have a better experience than sure. if you have very dissimilar personalities, which when you say it like that seems to make perfect sense, but is really an emerging um, new area of literature related to this, um, these mentoring programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and not p- many people are trying to match on personality. They might on skill sets. So if you're looking for um, improved leadership skills, you want a mentor with expertise in building leadership skills. And if you're looking for professional wellness, you want a mentor that's an expert in that. So I've seen that before, but this is a different level of matching that is um, maybe more sophisticated and nuanced. So I'm super excited to be working with all of these folks on trying to find the best practices to guide all of us as we build you know, there, there's department level programs, there's college level programs. In my role, I start to think about interprofessional cross college or institution level mentoring programs of and what that might do. look like. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think uh, it's been a really interesting experience for us to be sharing and for us to be researching together, um, learning what is known and is not known about this phenomenon. Well, and uh, it's good for you. Build another, a better world. And that's another great endorsement of the AAMC GFA, the Group on Faculty Affairs, that you said all of this was birthed through the mentoring circle. So another good plug for getting involved in our community and just coming to our conferences and meeting people and look at what has re, you know resulted from this mentoring circle. That now this tremendous contribution that not only is going to help the field in in developing and employing best practices around mentoring programs, but also personally, you're taking some information back to your institution. So it's, uh, it's just, it's great stuff. And I love seeing it's just real in, in action, our own faculty development, our own development as professionals and leaders and doing nothing but just helping and giving right back. So kudos to you, Wendy. Good stuff. Well, and just you, 30 you. data points. I, really- I, I can't imagine that grid, that, that matrix of trying to keep track of 30 data <laughs> points. Oh my word. I am. I currently see it in my dreams, but <laughs> it will be so good in the end. Um, but it, it is a very fine-tuned analysis. But that 
that is going to make it that much more useful down the road. Um, and uh, Gerald Kreitz, who's been leading this effort, has been just amazing in guiding us through being um, true to that systematic review process in it, its most pure sense. And uh, I think it's going to be a helpful thing in the end. Great. Where's Joe? What institution is he? I don't know. I think I know him. Jerry's at UGA. Oh, Jerry. So what is his name? Jerry? Gerald Kreitz is his name. We call him Jerry. Uh and he's at UGA uh, involved in UGA. faculty development programming. Jerry Kreiss. Oh, I think I do know Jerry. I just I'm I'm just blanking on his yeah. face, but I have to know him. I got to get him on the podcast. Yeah, you should absolutely. All right. Well, this. Do you have anything else, Wendy? I'm just I'm so excited here. I've got a, a ton of notes. I I want to think more about the the personality matches because I I'm a Myers Briggs person and I do that training and you can see the the pros and cons of having people who are unlike you but with mm-hmm. mentoring I mean you're really giving me some food for thought about the the ease if you start off with someone who's like you you're on the same page you think the same way you take in information the same way you make decisions the same way so it's almost like a seamless kind of smoothing of getting into the game but then I'm wondering if if I hang out too much with people like me, then I can my I overplay my strengths, and then when I'm in the grip and I'm all stressed out, uh, I I you know fail to be the opposite part of me. So I see the definitely see the value of hanging out with people who are not like me, but it can be disconcerting. So I mean I'm just I'm excited now about thinking this, so I can't wait to read more and learn more from you what you learn about that um, that whole matching on, around personalities. But just great stuff. I'm. I'm going off on a tangent here, but um, this was really cool. Is there anything else you wanted to share with us, Wendy? You know, the only other element of the mentoring programs that often isn't done that I, I, I see a lot of my work through a professional wellness lens. I've done a lot of work in professional wellness and still have a role in that separate from um, the other roles that we've talked about today. But I see things with that lens and mentoring is a fantastic place to normalize the conversation about stress and wellness, to make it a part of everyone's conversation, um, to, to uh, have mentors share Mm -hmm. uh, the ups and downs of stress that they have and resiliency approaches that they have. Um, And mentoring programs can be a way to gather data on common sources of stress that could lead to institution level change. So I, I'm not sure that people are thinking about that format as a good place for the conversation um, or for some data gathering, but I would encourage people to do so. Mm-hmm. Now that's something else to think about. Yeah. Uh, wow. Culture. Yeah. Embedding that in where I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of the junior faculty who, who may feel a little bit um, reticent to admit to feeling anxious or burned out or stressed out because mm-hmm. you want to present as I've got everything together and I'm in, I would never want my mentor to think poorly of me or think that I can't handle it. Uh, rather changing that conversation and being more transparent and as a mentor, inviting that kind of conversation, inviting those kind of questionings and, and the uh, being humble and, and, expressing your own um, feelings of, you know, stress that, that opens up that conversation. So that's, that's another great talking point. Boy, we could talk about that for a long time too. Uh Super good idea. Yeah. I love it. I want definitely want to talk with you more about that. Wow. 
You've got a lot going on there, Wendy. You are really uh, gangbusters, and it's a shame you're not excited by any of it. (laughs) (laughs) I am very, very, very passionate about what I do, and I'm so fortunate to have roles where I can engage in my passion. Not everyone has that opportunity. I'm so grateful. Aren't you? I know. I, I, I share that with you, sister, for sure. (laughs) Well, Wendy, this has been wonderful, folks. You have had the distinct pleasure of learning from Dr. Wendy Ward, the Director of Interprofessional Faculty Development, Associate Director of Professional Wellness, and Professor, Clinical Psychologist in the Department of Pediatrics at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. Thank you so much, Dr. Ward. You have been wonderful. And I, um, till next time, I guess, everybody, one day you want to say, say goodbye and like lead us out of here. Thank you so much, everyone. Um, I had uh, an enjoyable time talking with you and look forward to meeting more of you along the way. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory Podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.